It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Carcone Carne, still here in quarantine. I'm James Van Ostel. I, I want to offer many thanks before we begin. I want to thank C&H Financial Services. C&H offers a variety of products ranging from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates expenses tied to accepting credit cards. C&H also offers cost-effective commercial lending programs to help you get the business, your business, the money it needs to make it through these unprecedented times. To learn more, contact C&H Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us. I also want to thank my friends at Happy to Meet You. Restaurant quality meats delivered to your home. This right here, my friends, I'm just going to bring you guys on as I'm talking about this. This is the Mother Chucker, their burger. I'll pull up the description a little bit. I just pulled this off the cast iron skillet. Um, it's, it's going to be a mess as I eat this. Um, I put pepper jack cheese on here, uh, sriracha mayo, and some spicy bread and butter pickles. I'm very excited to do this and make a mess of myself. The point is this. Happy to meet you. They deliver right to your door, like high-end meats, reasonably priced. And this week only, if you use my promo code, JVO, free local delivery. Look at this. My guess. I haven't even introduced them yet, and they're excited. JVO, go to happy to meet you. That's the letter U.com and get the mother chucker and chicken or ribs or pork chops or steaks delivered to your home. That's a copy of protein. Oh my God. It's great. All right. Actually, I'm going to try this before I even introduce you guys. I, I don't mean to be rude. This is a terrible thing to do with guests, but the mother chucker. Bon appetit. Dude, see, I pay to watch people eat burgers. Like, see how joyful that snack was? Man. That's the mother chucker. I'm okay watching you eat, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, perfect medium rare. Wow. Right there. Man. Do you use oh. finger or is that just like y'all communicate? No, I do the finger test, but. Yeah, it's like this right here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> they promised on the website that it would stay juicy no matter what you did to it on the grill. And this is juiciest burger ever. So happy to meet you. Use my promo code. Get this stuff delivered for free to your home. Without further ado, they are returning guests, the returning champions on this show from Hope for the Day. Uh, I don't know which way you're seeing it, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. The the gentleman, the other gentleman in glasses, that's Mike Vinopal. He's the director of education for Hope for the Day. Uh, oh, damn it. The the less haired gentleman um, with the glasses, the guy without the glasses. This is also confusing. I, I don't even know where to go with this. That's Joel Frieders. He is the director of public policy for Hope for the Day. It's okay not to be okay. The lesson, the the mantra of hope for hope for the day. It's a nonprofit movement empowering the conversation on proactive suicide prevention and mental health education. I've had you guys on a, a few times since the pandemic started. I, I think this is mental health is an important conversation to keep in the forefront as things just continue down this path. A lot of us still stuck at home. Uh, I was looking at a lot of stats. Over the past week, it seems like a lot of stats poured in this week relating to suicide. Uh, first, of all, first of all, I saw that Cook County has seen a spike in suicides. Something close to home. I don't know if you've seen that. 
And also from 2018, I think this is a CDC stat, suicide rates in rural areas of the U.S. increased 48%, while in cities they grew by 34%. This is pre-pandemic, those numbers. So I, I can only imagine things, sadly, would be worse, exacerbated by the situation we're in right now. Economic stress, social stress, health stress. I mean, everything. It's, it's a tough time. And I, I, that's where you guys come in. Yeah. Well, well, when we got into the education game, it was 2016 that Hope for the Days Education first went out into the field because it, it was evident by the statistics from the CDC, as you said, that we were experiencing a 30-year surge in suicide rates. And we were going to be damned if we were going to let another go- day go by that we let silence win. And we're going to start these conversations. We're going to show others how to do it so that our impact can be exponential and al- almost unquantifiable at the end of the day, because it can go further than you can ever imagine when you give people the language and uh, the inspiration to take that action right there in their community. So I actually met Joel very much through our grassroots uh, empowerment movement approach. You hit me up, Joel, and I was like, well, I think we need to meet. <laughs> so, and we did. And this guy has learned the education so deeply uh, that he's been able to uh, inspire troves of people and businesses through strategic partnership uh, to really address this head on because we're not seeing like a flattening of that suicide rate curve. It continues to be an issue. It continues to be uh, like its own epidemic as far as the human lives we lose globally each and every day uh, to this terrible thing known as suicide not to mention all the other impacts of mental health challenges people experience every single day as well, <laughs> pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, doesn't matter. Um, we are now seeing how glaringly important it is to uh, conduct enough uh, education for people to understand how to respond, uh, whereas before it was a total absence of education. So. Well, Joel, Joel Schertz says everything. Talk about suicide. This is one of those things that there's still stigma and taboo, and it's not discussed as openly as it should. It's a discussion that needs to be had, and mental health in general needs to be discussed more freely and without concern of stigmatization or anything like that. I guess Joel talked to the, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's trying to make the conversation about the overarching, you know, like the, the elephant in the room is what we want to be able to focus on as being something that's a, it's a realistic, you know, part of our life right now is dealing with the fact that because suicide was so taboo, we would kind of skirt around it, usually to our own detriment. And Mike uh, talks a lot about stigma. As an organization, we talk a lot about stigma. But I, I think one of the ways that I've been able to just personally kind of get a better understanding of why I had such a hard time talking about suicide before I got involved with Hope for the Day a couple of years ago was because of the fact that you would want to tiptoe around something that was relatively uncomfortable to talk about, you know, whether it was depression or it was substance abuse or, you know, addiction or long time of of different types of abuse. You've got all these conclusions as to why someone might have attempted suicide. But one of the other things that kind of comes along with the same part of the conversation is what do we do every day when we're interacting with other people that further that distance between just being okay with who you are, whether you're okay or you're not okay, and where your attention to get to. 
So understanding that it's not always about making it complicated and throwing off statistics. It's coming to the conversation about mental health and suicide from the standpoint of, I don't want to see my kids have a difficulty talking about this stuff. So I want to be able to, as an adult, change my opinions with new information because I'm learning how to communicate about something that for so long was just something I never freaking talked about. So as someone who's relatively recently okay with talking about the topic of suicide and, and losing friends, um, I think it's important to kind of look to organizations or our organization, Hope for the Day, as a, a jumping off point. We don't have to get deep into the weeds about things, but once you realize that you don't have to have a judgment on someone else just kind of going through the shit. Once you realize that someone can respond to something in their life that you might not have done yourself without you ever having to speak a word. You can think things all you want, but when you vocalize that stigma, people start shutting up. And I think we're in a position right now where people are starting to open up about things that have, they've been quiet about for a very, very freaking long time. So this is like the, in my opinion, it was the beginning of a conversation that I probably should have had 15, 20 years ago, at least. Well, we've talked about social media in previous conversations. And yes, you're right. People are opening up and talking about things that they haven't talked about before. That's worked both ways. It's been good. It's been bad. People are we're, we're hearing some inside voices that should have stayed inside. I, I think social media still is one of the most precarious things to balance in a time of this, as I picked up from these interviews, this collective trauma. I, I've used that expression over and over since we talked. I, I think social media can be really, it can make things worse. It can make things better in some respects, but you need to be able to detach. And that's hard for people. The, the doom scrolling is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also thinking that you have to have an opinion on everything. I tell you, the number of things that I simply do not have an opinion on are in the millions. But the things that I feel that I have an opinion with which I should, you know, share with you, most of them are completely like innocuous. But I have an opinion on those things and sometimes I'll share them. But when I realize that I don't need to hear myself talk about things that aren't really a part of my, you know, everyday life, I should be working towards, you know, greater good, but then also enjoying some relatively innocent fun. Man, it's exhausting. You can't change people's opinions on social media. You might as well, you know, try to enjoy your your experience and do things for good as opposed to these keyboard warrior type battles back and forth. It's exhausting. If you enter a conversation with the goal of winning a conversation, you're doing the conversation wrong. Yeah. Yeah, there's no art there. There's no, no. art. There's no discourse or back and forth. It was like the Wild West when the internet started and then social media became a, a, a central component a cornerstone of all things internet and there was never any guidelines that were like established it was just like everybody get in there go have some fun and fun turned into oh it's news it's a news outlet now you can get your news there and it's it's now it's what is it i don't know <laughs> people can use it deliberately for some very good reasons to stay connected and that was, I guess, the core and the, the impetus. Uh, uh, that's what we're doing right now. We're, we're using it as a force for good, I'd like to think. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. <laughs> so let, let's see. I don't know if I've ever asked you something as elementary at the, as this in previous conversations, but it's worth asking. What are warning signs? What are, when, when should people be concerned about their friends and family? And I, Again, I feel like we're in this collective trauma. Yeah. Now's the time you really need to look out for one another. What are there? Are there like really red flags that you see that are kind of universal? Yeah, I, I think there is a, a component of pre-pandemic hope for the day education, our four-hour workshop, where we we were able to dive deep uh, into 
more specifics, more specific signs someone is struggling. Uh, the only issue with laying out like this, 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 and this is it, it becomes this very restrictive list of things when uh, the most important thing for us as community members to be aware of is like notable disruptions in someone's baseline behavior. So this is a clinical term that is used by clinicians in, in, in the mental health field, um, but we're not clinicians. So let's call baseline me when I'm feeling pretty decent, like my friends, my family, my neighbors, my coworkers, they're like, yeah, that's Mike. Pretty, pretty average day for Mike. Um, and then it, they start to be like, Mike's acting a little, little off. Uh, Mike's uh, not himself. Uh, knowing those disruptions from baseline or our typical kind of behavior when we're feeling okay and we're able to manage all the stress in our lives, we're not starting to like kind of, you know, crack up a little bit because it's tough. It, it, the pressure gets to you after a while. And a lot of people are very, very resistant to asking for help. Even people in the mental health spaces that are, you know, a little more vocal about their feelings and stuff like that. It can be very, very difficult regardless of who you are to speak up. Someone watching on the Facebook Live mentioned addiction. And I've got to think people with addictive personalities with addictions, this is especially hard. What, what do you say to an addict or someone who maybe is going harder on booze or pills yeah. or drugs? Well, that's a good thing to like observe physically. If you, st if you stay focused on your peer-to-peer -peer interventions, like as I'm going to start with what I physically noticed and I'm going to just check in and see if they're okay and let them know I think they're not themselves lately. I've noticed this, you're drinking more or you're, you're, you're smoking more or uh, any number of substances that people can turn to to feel better or feel nothing at all, right? So being able to use that as something you physically noticed can kind of keep it out of the realm of feeling like a personal attack and coming from a place yeah. of concern when trying to start that conversation. And like a greatest hits of signs someone may be struggling, you got to be thinking about, oh, are, are they isolating more than they normally do? Um, are they, um, really irritable? Is their mood like kind of up and down and all over the place? Is there fixations going on? Is there sleep impact? Um, and obviously substances needs to be right up there at the top of the list. Uh, bearing in mind that addiction and substance use disorders are a mental health experience. It's a big old spectrum. And, uh, that's that's something that can still be pretty stigmatized if you like somebody that's like, no, just stop, stop right. using because uh, you're worried, you know. So I, I don't know if this is a recent study. It looked like it when I, when I saw it earlier. Uh, younger people, Latinx and black populations are the most vulnerable right now. It, does that jive with what you're seeing? I would agree to that. How about you, Joel? Yeah, I mean, the majority of the, at least as far as my interactions with like the outside news um, have been relatively specific to just the impacts of COVID on mental health, not to mention the discussions around, you know, systemic racism and how, you know, public acts of violence are now kind of being broadcast to a younger audience. I mean, even my 12 year old starting to, to kind of understand because like what they even provide them in the libraries now are, you know, slightly more adult for them. So I, I think part of, the entire conversation about mental health 
from my perspective, a lot of it is focused on those different types of communities, those different intersections of, of uh, not just culture, not just, you know, uh, orientation, not just geographical. It's all of these different things kind of smushed together because everybody is kind of experiencing this, this giant shakeup of the world as a two liter bottle. And it's, it's like, you know how every day you're like, damn, how can 220 or 2020 get more 2020? And it's like, now there's two freaking hurricanes in the ocean at one damn time. Like <laughs> what next? Yeah. So, I mean, not having the ability to grasp the severity of even one of these holy shit moments of 2020 and realize that that can mess with your stomach and you can't sleep for a little bit. If you can't sleep for a little bit, that's going to impact your mood. If your mood gets impacted, it's going to impact your eating habits. If your eating habits get like, it's this huge freaking circle of how else can I potentially hurt myself by just existing right now? So being able to communicate about the things that are freaking you the hell out now is important. And it's like, you know, we talk about addiction as being, you know, heightened right now. People's that, you know, attempts and completions, unfortunately, are at a higher level. What we should be doing right now, and I keep on harping on this, is that as life stresses go up, we got to start doing more for ourselves as individuals and allow ourselves to just freaking talk to get shit off your chest. Like I can tell you sitting around a kitchen table, talking with people at a safe distance to just bitch about the freaking week can do more for my next week than any six freaking IPAs. I don't care how delicious they are. <laughs> so it's understanding that I need to get that shit off my chest so that I, myself, 40-year-old little, you know, white, privileged, cisgendered, heterosexual male with a beautiful wife and three healthy kids in the suburbs, I got to get shit off my chest too. But it's understanding that it's all about choosing your audience. You don't have to get on the social media and, and do the finger dance. Bitch to your neighbors or your wife or your spouse, but get these things off your freaking chest because the last thing we need is a whole bunch of people ready to freaking explode when we got to get out and freaking vote in a couple months. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. Hey, you know, I read an article maybe a month or two ago, and I haven't seen much on this topic, but I thought it was interesting. This notion of toxic positivity. Like people I, mean, I, re are... I read an article just from the Post, the Washington Post, like two days ago uh, because they, they, it also came up on a Google alert because they were they're throwing around. It's okay. Not to be okay. And I was like, oh, okay, let's see what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Read the article and toxic positivity. If anybody out there listening or watching at a later date is like, what? Um, it's just, we have a tendency to not want to sit in discomfort, whether that's a situation that is caused by somebody else's circumstance or that of our own. So we kind of just like, get all uncomfortable and we do whatever we can to get out of that situation. And a lot of times that's come with this kind of socially conditioned, Hey, look at the bright side, or it's not that bad. Or look, you know, things could be worse. And these uh, affirmations that sometimes for some people, maybe that's just what they need to hear. And boy, you just improved their mood and you were a great friend. Cool. Whatever. I'm not saying that that like, doesn't nullify any good these things can do, but know your audience. If it's, if it's a situation where you're saying that to somebody that's expressing something that uh, is really challenging and their circumstances are far different from that of your own, just sit with the discomfort and say, that sucks, man. That's awful. Yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, and I see you're in pain, validate it. You know, um, that's you, how you said it, know your audience. That's a, that's a great, oh, yeah rule of it, thumb steer clear of uh yeah the toxic positivity all you gotta do is try and validate somebody you know and uh know your audience like you know that, that's the wisest advice i've gotten from complain about like a rip in your sock 
but it's not something that you want to throw in somebody's face when they're like, they're, you know, they're grieving for like, like the loss of a loved one. Like, you, you, you know, reading the room, knowing your audience, like they can always just be the wrong freaking time. So it's like, it's, it's, I, I hate the fact that we've kind of we've come to this position where if you just don't want to be a dick, you're called someone who is part of the PC police. And it's like, nah, it's not about trying to be PC. It's just that I know it would suck if that had happened to me. So I just, I don't want to be a dick. Well, you have to involve that in the, the mental health conversation because sometimes people have no choice. They are the way that they are. But you have a choice as a person who's interacting with someone to either take their shit and carry it and be like upset with it or whatever, or need to freaking respond to it. Or you can just let them exist the way that they are currently existing. And you don't have to freaking blow them off, but you don't have to carry their baggage. And it's, it's like when you respond to somebody by poo-pooing what they're experiencing, you're taking their baggage and you're going, ha, and you're, 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 you're fucking with them. Like there's no point in doing that. And it's not about not, you know, getting your shots in on your friends. I know I need a good razzing you know, coming to the side, but dude, like, we don't have to engage in conversations that will literally get us nowhere. What we should be doing is supporting our community and making sure that we can take those steps. That's exactly it. Arguing with the people on the internet. Uh, if you're just joining us, that's Joel Frieders uh, with the shavedish head, shaved head. Uh, Mike Vinopoulos, both representing Hope for the Day, a fantastic organization. I, I forgot which one of you. Oh my God, they're doing fireworks in my neighborhood again. This has been awesome. My my poor dog. My my dog has mental health issues because of this. This is terrible. Yeah. Um, you kind of hinted towards this, but you guys are the guys representing hope for the day. But you're humans too. Let me ask you personally: I, How are you holding up? Are you managing through Woo. all this? Woo! <laughs> all I have to say is that things have been somewhat decent over the last week or so for me and my family. Um, you know, everybody has like a very, a varietal, a, a veritable shitstorm, if you will, of circumstances in which they're navigating with their family and the loved ones in their sphere of influence. So for me and my family, that's included my mom going through cancer treatment for the second time, which is actually a type of cancer linked to the treatment that cured her from her last cancer six years ago. So it's like, fuck cancer. Okay. Yep. And ultimately, the first couple of weeks of that, to be honest, James, I was I was a mess, you know, and my team at work, uh, just incredible and uh, walking the walk, you know, being about it and reminding me, hey, it's OK if you need some time. So, you know, the first couple of weeks, I did take a little extra time because I needed to prioritize rest um, sure. so I could continue to execute plans and uh, and goals uh, for the organization. In the last couple of weeks, um, we've been able to celebrate a couple bits of good news. Um, the road's not over, but we're just going to kind of be in the moment and keep it short-sighted to, you know, be able to celebrate good news because there's been a lot of bad. Um, and so that's that's got me back to feeling, I don't know, 60 70%, still lacking a lot of motivation as this, yeah. this quarantine uh, and this pandemic and uh, the political um, situation, all of it uh, continues to kind of eat at me just because I'm a human being. But, hey, that's why uh, I worked so hard in, in the year leading up to this, because now I have a great team of people to help support the work that needs to get done. And the reason why I ask this, and I'll, I'll go to you next, Joel, I think it's important for people who are listening or watching to understand that 
you guys work for the suicide prevention organization, but it's not like you're not affected like the rest of us are. I mean, no, definitely not. We're, we're, we're all going through this stuff together. Sorry, go ahead, Joel. Tell me about you. Yeah, at the at, you know March April phase of the pandemic, I had started the the handyman phase where I'm going to fix and organize everything, and I got through that, and then I jumped into diving back into my guitar almost like nightly. It was really really good for me, and I feel very good when I'm done playing guitar. Not always when I'm playing, just because I'm old. Um, but then I started becoming like incredibly bored with everything, um, and I think that had a lot more to do with just being exhausted with the fact that. I had to kind of exist between two political poles um, and I have to smile and nod a lot on both sides. And it's, uh, it's difficult to put everyone's comments over your shoulder. So I, I went through a, a couple of week rough patch there actually leading into Mike's rough patch. I was, I think I was about five miles ahead of him and then he sped right past me. But I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a few weeks there. Where I was like, damn. Oh man. Thanks for that. Laughs. Laughs are good. Laughs, laughs are always good. Always Ooh. welcome. Uh, you know, I, speaking of politics, yeah, I, I'm not going to talk politics, but I've been very careful not to. I do find the news going back to social media. The news is fatiguing. The news is exhausting. It, it can oh, yeah. be debilitatingly. So I, I started a new policy after about two or three weeks ago. I'm treating the news and to that extent, social media, by and large, like coffee. You know how some people say, oh, I can't drink coffee after 2 p.m. It'll mess up my sleep. Mm -hmm. The same with news. Like I, I have a cutoff of like eight o'clock. I can't. I, I've been having crazy dreams, nightmares about you know the world in flames. I'm like, I just need to not do read that stuff before bedtime. I just it, it's so intense and it so vitriolic on both sides. I just I need to read comic books or listen to music or whatever. But that that's my new thing. That that's been my path to sanity lately. Is just giving myself a cutoff, like to stop, you don't, you, the, the stories will be there in the morning. Yeah. I, I've essentially done that with, I removed Facebook from my phone just because of the number of like things that I could not turn off as far as being a distraction. And the fact that every time that somebody has notified me of something, it was like another, it was just more bad news. So I was like, I can't keep participating in something that literally makes me feel bad. Yeah. That's it. Uh, the other thing that I realized too, is that I'm not much of a consumer when it comes to social media. I'm more of like a, I create as a form of like self-expression. Mm -hmm. And for a while there, me taking a picture of something and just making myself laugh or sharply exhale out of my nose holes, which is the reaction I'm usually going for. When I do that, I would get like, not a weird type of pushback, but like a weird type of pushback. Like, why are people pissed off that I enjoy the innocuous? Like, I think I've already actually referenced that exact term because I had to explain it today, but like, if everything around you sucks ass, and I guarantee you, the majority of things around you suck ass right now, it's okay. But if somebody enjoys, you know, a good pair of socks, or maybe the potential for earning an underwear sponsorship, me undies, hit me up. Like, why won't you let them like chase their freaking dreams? Like, why do you gotta poo poo somebody's chances of getting sponsored with a dad bod by a freaking underwear company? I mean, a guy's got a dream, right? So I just. I've, I've had to like take a step back and analyze the fact that I'm more of a creator and put it out there and not really want to fight with people than consume and end up getting driven crazy and then having to like leave Facebook for weeks at a time. You know, Joe, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned MeUndies, MeUndies.com, the world's most comfortable underwear for men, for your work week, for staying at home, any situation. They, they fit like no pair of underwear has ever fit you before. Uh, give them a try. Sign up online, MeUndies.com.
this dude reads my blog. So me and my wife get matching pairs every month. So this what? is, I, I, I used to subscribe to the monthly. Yeah. Last okay. month. So there we go. We're, we're pitching this together. Maybe we'll be like a MeUndies team <laughs> or something. MeUndies. I love it. Uh, all right. So let's talk about what's coming up ahead. Uh, September, big month. This is Suicide Awareness Month. Yeah, uh, September is National Suicide Prevention Month, and we encourage everybody uh, to talk about suicide every single day of the year. But um, in in September, there's almost like a, a more uh, like a lessening of the national stigma, so people feel more compelled to talk about it in the month of September, or sometimes in the month of May, which is also Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, so we take that we take advantage of that opportunity to activate more people that can. Maybe once October 1st hits, they're like, you know what? This is important. I'm going to keep going, you know? Um, so that's that's our hope. There's a lot of good stuff coming up. So yeah, this is usually like an event-driven time for you, obviously. Normally. Usually. That's different. <laughs> I mean, are, are you doing online stuff? Are you doing – how are you – Yeah, events? Mike's doing his weekly educations every Tuesday at 1 and every Thursday at 11. 11. I got the ones mixed up again. That's okay. Tuesday at 11, Thursday at 1. Uh, and if you get educated, then like you have tools to go forth and be able to be your own kind of agent of impact and be able to talk with members of the team to, hey, if you got a Willy Wonka idea, we're the Willy Wonka Mental Health Organization, we'll figure out, hey, is this even realistic? And if so, how can we make your idea happen? Because so many people got talents and passions that you would not believe as really cool intersections for starting this conversation. Um, yeah. Uh, tell me about the food drive. Sure. Um, well, so Coffee Hip Hop and Mental Health is a nonprofit we've been partnering with uh, since June. We helped in July feed a thousand families here in Chicago. Um, the Poverty is Violent Food Drive is basically uh, the brainchild is a man named Christopher Lamarck, who started Coffee Hip Hop and Mental Health, he wanted to normalize therapy, but then he's like, well, if people are hungry and their basic needs are not getting met, how are we going to talk about mental health? So uh, as a part of kind of an initiative to bring some unity to the city of Chicago, Sip and Savor on the south side and Sip of Hope on the north side are kind of like sister coffee shops that care about their communities and want to give people an opportunity for direct action. Um, and so we've all kind of banded together to support this 10,000 uh, effort. Poverty is violent, 10K, and uh, reminding people that food is love. Poverty might be violent, but food is love. And you can uh, text donate.feedshy to 77948. To every, you know, every little dollar helps. Uh, you could buy t-shirts too at cwhamh.com if you wanted to uh, get a little style in your wardrobe while also supporting uh, a really, really special mutual aid effort. Mariano's on the South Side's pitched in huge amounts of food and uh, resources as well. Um, and that's that's the last week this week. So this weekend, we're going to feed 10,000 families. That's awesome. So if you're not a part of it already, be a part of it. You You can do it right now. I love it. I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking tonight. And every time I talk to you guys, I, I want to hang up and, and hug you. I, I really do appreciate the work that you do and that your organization does. It really is uh, spectacular and, unfortunately, very necessary. I, I, you, you serve an important 
role in the community. I'm glad you guys are here for us. Thanks, oh, man. Yeah. Glad you're here, too. You know, you know it's, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this before we talked tonight. I think it's hard to, to maintain ongoing dialogue with anyone during the pandemic other than the people you live with. It's just it's such a weird time. Uh, I think it's even harder to make friends during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like we made friends dur during the pandemic. Like, Absolutely. like against all odds, we, we, we struck up a friendship without yeah, ever actually that. being in the same room together. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, you're going to have to figure out a word for that, though. Like a friend that you made over the pandemic. I don't think a friendemic works. <laughs> no, that, that means you have just a, a, an outbreak of friends, right? If you have a friendemic. Sounds itchy. It, it does. You need a salve or an ointment or an antibiotic to take care of that. All right. Now that the serious stuff is out of the way, I do want to mention, I, I still have this mother chucker here. Yeah. Burger bites. You ever seen my burger bunny? Hmm? Oh, right there. Yeah, I see him. What is that? It's a bunny that <laughs> constructs as a cheeseburger. See? That's fantastic. Yeah, theyeti.com. Whimsy, whimsy online. I, I just want credit for this perfect medium rare burger. I just, yeah. I just, happy good. to meet you. Made it easy. Again, JVO, the promo code. Free delivery, city and suburbs. Or you don't pay I'm the delivery. Getting it. Thank you. All right. Yeah, so, these underwear should be burgers. Just putting that out there. So, what have we learned? It's okay not to be okay. Uh, hope for the day is where we can go to learn more. Uh, the education is ongoing with you guys. And uh, next month, we'll, we'll, we'll be talking every day about suicide. And That's hopefully great. the conversation yeah. keeps uh, going. Stay tuned. There's a bunch of cool stuff that we can't even talk about yet. But uh, there are things. Oh, I want to tell them, don't you? Oh, I could read you a quick little uh, tip on how to start the conversation that Joel wrote for this uh, special Yes. Release. Uh, how to have a tough conversation. Number one, ask what is causing them to feel the way, not why they are feeling the way they are. Number two, then listen non-judgmentally. Put your phone away, okay? Number three, offer resources. Encourage them to reach out to proper support if needed. That's a real like short, you know, simple version of something you might get in the education uh, on every, every ongoing every week via Zoom. So, I love it. All right, I'm going to stop the Facebook Live. Thank you, everyone, who uh, stopped by tonight on social media to, to watch and uh, comment. Very much appreciated. So we're going to kill that, not kill that. We're going to stop that. Jesus, my nomenclature.